0: Well, in our family, because my dad was Muslim, we couldn't eat pork. But with the Rastafarians, they weren't supposed to eat pork either. And hence, the, um, there was a song that came up: Give Me a Bit of Dat, or I Want a Bit of Dat, D-A-T, meaning T-H-A-T. And they, they felt if they didn't ask for pork, it was OK to call it that or dat. <laughs> so that way they could get away with eating it, Give Me a Bit of Dat. <laughs> Food for Thought Episode 10. Yasmin Stonebanks was born in Jamaica and moved to the UK when she was 10 years old. She now lives in East Lothian, Scotland. In this episode, Yasmin shares the fond memories of the food of her childhood. My name is Yasmin Stonebanks, um, maiden name Ryman, and um, I was born in Jamaica. In 1951, so that makes me 66 years old this year, and I now live in Scotland in um, East Lothian, Dunbar. Well, I still consider myself Jamaican, but this Scotland is the longest I've lived in any one country, so I see myself as British, and um, I was brought up in England, and um, so. But I still feel there's a bit of the Jamaican in me. And I've been in Britain now since I was ten years old. So it's um, yeah, I'm British more than Jamaican, but a wee bit Jamaican. But I, I remember coming over the first time we came over to to England. It was it was um, April, beginning of April, and we had there was a place in London called Shepherd's Bush, and that's where we were going to be living. And my mum was sending. Money over on a monthly basis to secure a flat for us. It was a basement flat, and when my uncle met us at the airport, um, we got off the plane, and it wasn't like nowadays you get off and you're covered. We um, you get off right in the sort of this field somewhere, and then you walk, and there were hailstones bucketing down. And I remember I had this cardigan that my aunt had sent from America. It's a little red cardigan, butterflies. And, it, and embroidered butterflies and she'd sent it for me saying this is going to be it's going to be spring in England and you will need this and I have never seen hailstones before and they were hurting As, and I was saying to my mum what is it what is it and she says she was able to tell me there were ha- hailstones and my teeth were chattering I've never had that sensation before and I'm well, what's wrong with my teeth what's wrong with my teeth she says they're chattering because you're cold you're cold." And um, that was my introduction to England. Does food have a strong place in your culture, and your community, do you think? Yes, yes. um, Everything is centred around food, so you would never go and visit somebody in Jamaica, or even when my parents moved over here you would never leave with an empty stomach. (laughs) So food would be forced down you. So when you're cooking, when my mum was cooking, it was always you cooked extra because somebody might turn up. So there was always that extra bit left over. In Jamaica, we grew, we were more or less self-sufficient when it came to vegetables because we had a big enough garden. We weren't well off but we had a big enough garden. And they, they were saying in Jamaica, if you plant a gatepost, it'll grow. And so we planted, we had we, had, we didn't plant the trees. We had an aki tree. We had a mango trees. And we had coconut trees. and um, But we planted things like lettuce and tomatoes. It's not like tomatoes you get nowadays. We've got big beef tomatoes. And, I mean, they were big <laughs> And we used to pick them and put the salt in a hand and just dip the tomato in the salt and eat it. And that was like a, a fruit to us, you see. But we had, um, we grew, it was like a spinach, but we called it kalaloo. And my job was to go and pick the leaves. You had a little, was given a little knife and you picked off the leaves and you left the stalk because more spinach, would, more kalaloo would grow. Kalalu is like spinach. It's a stronger flavor than spinach and come the, when the season was out my job was to go and prune it down and you had to prune it hard and I thought I was, I was in heaven then because it was my job to look after it so we had that and we grew um, peppers, we grew limes and we could, grew chilies and green and red peppers only there were more green ones than there were red limes, there were no lemons but I just remember the limes and um, we could grow black pepper and you'd pick off the little the little um, fruity bits which were the pepper but it was different types of peppers scotch bonnet peppers we grew so and various um salady stuff spring onions which we call scallions and ordinary onions we grew and avocado pears that was that was um plenty for oranges and so we had that in the garden but so we were self- sufficient with vegetables but and chickens we had chickens, and I fed the chickens and we would have um once a week we would have a a, ch- a roast chicken <laughs> and um and I remember my dad saying it's time for the rooster to go and but he couldn't catch the rooster because my older brother would be chasing the rooster, saying "Run rooster, run, 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 and the rooster would be <laughs> And My dad was at his wits' end trying to catch this rooster and with my brother not helping at all. And my brother didn't want the rooster to go onto the the table. Eventually, my dad took my brother inside and whipped his bottom, (laughs) gave him a good whipping, a good hiding, locked him in and got the rooster. So we had the rooster. (laughs) In our family, because my dad was Muslim, we couldn't eat pork, and um, but with the Rastafarians, they weren't supposed to eat pork either, and hence the um, there was a song that came up: "Give me a bit of dat, or I want a bit of dat, D-A-T, meaning T-H-A-T. and they they felt if they didn't ask for pork, it was okay to call it that or dat. <laughs> so That way, they could get away with eating it. Give me a bit of that, <laughs> but in uh, if um, pork was banned in our family, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, there were times when I think it was just about just before carnival time that we would have these in, in Jamaica, you have this um voodoo element which we didn't know much about, but then there were these people called the junkanoos and they would dress up as monsters and paint their faces and they looked really horrible and they would come to the house and they would have bells on their feet and they would dance and they had sticks, it was sort of like um, witches and um, like what you would do at Halloween here but they would have this this festival that they would come around and beg for money. And if you didn't give them money, they'd put a curse on you. or you know. And I was scared of them. Every time I was scared, and I would run in the house and hide. So that, to me, was a really scary event. And in the end, my mum said, we're not having them back anymore. And, and eventually, that sort of thing died off. But then there was also, in Jamaica, you have the different religions. You have Muslims, you have Hindus. But there are Chinese as well. And you have the Chinese New Year. And, um, and we would celebrate our ordinary New Year, the 1st of January, um, with fireworks and stuff like that, and lots of feasting, lots of eating. and um, But the one festival I really liked was the, the Hindu festival, their Christmas, because they would come and they had... Um, it was coloured water, and the idea was to chuck water at each other. And... Um, and that I found that that was funny. That was the the, the the thing that I loved first because everybody would dress up, and you would get absolutely messy. <laughs> and for any of those festivals, was were there any specific foods that were eaten, or? Yes, it was always you always went out of your way to make a nice a nice meal, and it was it would always be a curry. With I mean, curries were a sort of normal everyday thing, but but at festivals, you would have a goat curry, then you'd have something similar to a biryani, but it wasn't a biryani. It was, um, you know, all the Jamaican foods, it was like a pumpkin rice, and then you would have chicken. So all the foods would be, you'd have all different meats and vegetables, so it would be like a Christmas festival, a Christmas food, Christmas table. Yes, it would. It was always something quite exotic and um for, for all the vegetables so I think the same food would be cooked throughout So what did the tradition of having a special meal mean to you? It meant it meant that we could have we would have because normally you don't have a dessert it would be fruit for dessert but there would be a cooked dessert there'd be a cake and it'd be a rum cake so the children weren't getting very much of it because the the um, especially around Christmas time the the cake was fed from summertime although it was summer all year round but you would start off you know feeding the fruit with your rum it was Captain Morgan rum or some sort of Jamaican rum. And so, when you you could smell that throughout the year, when my mum went to the cupboard to feed it, and then when it was cooking, um, she would make it a few days before Christmas, and then you would then she would make holes in the cake, and then you would she would go and pour the rum in every couple of days and feed the cake again, because she would be feeding the fruit first, then you feed the cake, and so the smell of that always reminds me of. of of special occasions there. And then we knew at special, special meals, and we would have ice cream, because there was a point where we didn't have a fridge. And on a Sunday, um, the ice man would come round, and we a big block of ice, about two by two, and it would be dropped off in the garden. And my dad would chip away at the ice. And we had this little churn that... He would make ice cream. It didn't happen every Sunday, but special Sundays it happened. And the cream would go into the, the middle of the churn, and in between, the ice, he had an ice pick, and he would chip away the ice. And we had to take in turns to churn up this, to um, turn the, the cream until it became ice cream. So we knew that there were special desserts, and there were things like, there was a... Um, like a a little pat, patty type bun type thing called gulgula and that was a flowery doughy thing that was fried again but was very sweet very sweet and it had sultanas in it and raisins and um i can't find an equivalent for it over here um and there was another thing called kurma and again that was pastry that was deep fried and it was made like a a roti that's that sort of flour and then it'd be cut into strips and then into squares. And then sugar would go into the pot. And the sugar would melt, caramelise. Then you threw the little squares in. No, you'd boil them first, then you would throw them into the sugar. And the sugar would coat them and they became little sweets. Um so you knew special okay, you would get all this nice stuff, nice, nice foods, yeah. So since you've come to live in Scotland, have your food traditions changed or the way you view um, food changed? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I mean, because there's so many television chefs now and there's so many ways of, of um, all the different chefs, all the different cookbooks that are out, I'm forever looking at different styles of cooking, but I'm still drawn to Indian style of cooking or Jamaican cooking. And, um, but, uh, I do like, I do like my haggis. <laughs> I do like that. And my style, my, you know, my style of cooking now is more British than it is, um, uh, Jamaican or Indian. It's, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of both. So did you think there was a lot of crossover between Indian and Jamaican, food because there are a lot of Indian people living in Jamaica. Yes, when when they went when the Indians were taken to Jamaica it was after slavery ended and the Afro-Caribbeans were refusing to work and um, so they had to get all the um, the bauxite um, had to be mined and the plantations had to be farmed and the sugar plantations so the landowners who were mainly English and Scottish brought in um, workers from India. There was no Pakistan yet, so everybody lived in India. India and China. So in Jamaica, there the three different nationalities, Afro-Caribbean who were the slaves, and Chinese and Indians. And so the culture there mixed. So when the Indians moved there, they couldn't get their spices. There were some spices that were brought over, but um, there were a lot of spices that wasn't, and um, they had to use what they could find in Jamaica, and that's why Jamaican curries are so different. They improvise in what they could find and um, mix them. And the same with the Chinese, you get the Chinese curries, and they improvised as well with what they could find there. So they, there was a, there is a kind of similarity going through the, the three types of cooking. And what do you think future children of your family might be eating in the future? Um, Future children, I think slowly we're drifting away from it, slowly. And um, although with my daughter having lived near me, there is still, she's, she's got that element in her that she will probably gravitate towards it when it's around And um, and my son, he's now in Newcastle. He has uh, some a colleague who is half Jamaican, which is coincidence. So when that colleague goes home to his and visits his grandmother, um, his grandmother will cook and give him a takeaway, and he brings some to my son, and they share it at the office. You see, so it's um, there for some reason, coincidentally, or I don't know. There is a Jamaican element in his life, not just me. Food for Thought, A Life in Four Courses is delivered by MeCop and funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund. This episode was produced by Emma-Jane Harrington and Kieran Earls. This interview was carried out by and transcribed by Grace Murray-Cavanagh. Special thanks to Yasmin for sharing her stories with us. To learn more about our work, visit mecop.org.uk